Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Tom Siri, CEO of Real Self, is today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast. Tom founded RealSelf, the leading resource to learn and share experiences about cosmetic procedures and connect with the right doctors, in 2006 after spending several years at Expedia. Today, RealSelf receives millions of visitors every month, has tens of thousands of board-certified doctors and healthcare professionals on their platform, and has been featured on many award lists, including Glassdoor's Best Places to Work and Inc.'s fastest-growing private companies. Tom is well known for being passionate about providing radical transparency, and he's doing just that with the successful company he continues to build. He's also a husband and a father and a friend. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much. That's great. You're so welcome. You like it? I love it. Okay. We are doing a rapid fire. Um, I'm starting with kind of a hard one. What are you most proud of as far as what you've accomplished so far at Real Self? Oh, at Real Self. I was like, in life, I was like, that's going to be a... That's and, a deep. Well, you could do life too. No, no let's start it's with a real two, it's self. a twofer. My most proud moment, or just overall? Overall, your most proud I, accomplishment. I think it's just like every time I see an email, a message, a post where someone says, "Thank God I read this. Thank God I was here." Yeah. If I hadn't had this, I don't know what I would have done. That just fuels me. I'm sure that would be an awesome thing um, to see. And I, I'm on Real Self, and I, I feel the same way. Um, what word would your kids use to describe you? Boy, I would hope they would say that I'm there for them. I like that. You know. Solid. What quality do you most value in a friend? Oh, my God. So contrived to say loyalty. That's no, so but that's boring. True. It's so boring, though. I told one of my girlfriends last night, I texted her after preparing for this, and I said something like, thank you for your loyalty, because I was thinking of that word. Yeah. How about, how about this? Okay. I was thinking consistent inconsistency, which is like, you know that person you haven't seen in six years, five years, and you can pick it up like you didn't miss a beat? Yeah. That's a friend. Yeah. That's somebody who you're just like, oh, my God, we're yeah. just, there's some chemical thing. It's yes. not just have to have a constant tether to each other. Right. I love that. Um, what would be a dream place for you to vacation? I've always wanted to go to India, and I'm hoping to go there next month, but I've always wanted next to Next month? Or, sorry, January. January. I should well, probably, we don't know when we don't we're know putting what, this out. So yeah. you're in going 2020. there in 2020. You're going to be going there in 2020. It sounds so far away, right? 2020. Yes. I know. We're at the end of a um, decade. Mm-hmm. So weird. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite movie? Oh, I guess um, Office Space. Oh, that's hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> I've that's been awesome. there because I've been there. I know it. If you've ever worked in corporate America, the, in that type of I have not, you, but that is so oh, funny. Yeah, Do you watch The Office? No, but I that movie. You would love The Office. Yeah, you have to. Watch but it, it. it shared. I've I've watched, of course, The Office, yeah. but it has. And anybody who's been there <laughs> knows exactly what's going on. What was your first concert? Santana, because I'm cool. 
Old school. Santana. Nice. Yeah, still around. Where? I saw Santana in Vegas. So I grew up in New York, upstate, and uh, Saratoga Springs is oh, okay. an outdoor venue, and that's yeah. where I saw it. And uh, I remember smelling a lot of marijuana and, you know, not... How old were really, you? Oh, I probably was 13. Okay, final question on the rapid fire, and then we're going to dig deep into your childhood. Um, introvert or extrovert? I, you know, people think I'm an introvert, so I'm going to say introvert. But what do you think you are? Introvert. <laughs> yeah. So, well, like, I mean, I think people mis- misunderstand what introvert and extrovert. I read a whole book around it, The Quiet Book from Susan Cain. It's actually really good. Yeah. Um, it's where you get your energy, like from people or like, do you need to kind of withdraw and get your energy mm. inward? Like, I'm clearly an over-the-top extrovert. That's why I like you. Well, thanks. It goes yin and yang yeah. with me. Well, thanks. <laughs> I like you, too. Okay, so you said you're from upstate New York. I did not know that. Good to know. You're a New Yorker. That makes sense. Like, what, what part makes sense? Just I've, that you're a New Yorker. Because oh, most to... people say when I, they're like, you're from New York. You don't seem like you're an asshole. And I'm like, wow. Well, No, you're just a net-net kind of good person. You're, you seem pretty bottom line. I don't know. No? Am I wrong? Yeah. I well I I I was thinking about um you know getting ready for this interview and I was thinking about my childhood and other things about my life and I was thinking my dad was is such a fair play kind of person and that's fair play was like built into everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like my dad would find a twenty dollar bill on the floor of a restaurant and he would give it to the cash cashier or the or the waiter. Yeah, you know, well, say, that's oh, the right I just thing found to do. And, for sure. You know, and it's just, as a kid, I'd be like, what are you doing? Pocket yeah. that thing. Pocket that thing. And you, um, are you more like your mom or your dad? I'm definitely a mix of the two. Um, are they alive? Yes. And married? Yes. Whoa, you and yeah. me both. We're lucky. Yeah. That's I, rare. I think the the family um, tradition is to stick to things for yeah. a long time, yeah. <laughs> and including including relationships, but, you know, Once biz- business in, too. In. My dad worked same company for 30 years. I've been doing real self for over a decade, so. Yeah, and your dad was, there. so he was in what industry? He worked in um, finance for G- General Electric GE. Oh, okay. Which was like the, I was like that company town kind of yeah. uh, town. Yeah, you know, so year. small town. Small town, not much going on. Did you go? Left one friend there, he's still there. Did, did you go in the, into the city? Was Manhattan like? No, it's too far away. Yeah, so it's Literally a couple hours, right? Three hours. Oh, so three hours. It was like a different, yeah, different world to go to yeah. Manhattan. Pretty and you have siblings? I have a sister. She lives here in in the Seattle region. Oh, She's she teacher. does. Mm-hmm. And where are you in the birth order? She's definitely older than me. If <laughs> <laughs> she's listening, she's going to be like, "Really?" She's a yeah. teacher. She's a teacher. And she... what did your mom do? Was she at home or was she? Working. No, well, she stayed home. She she was um, she always aspired to be uh, a writer editor. She was a poet and wrote poetry, um, and then got an editorial role. And so, when we were kids, she's little. She stayed with us and then went back to work. But she she ended up at GE as well oh. as an editor. Um, so uh, there was a lot of same company yeah conversations at the dinner table. <laughs> Well, it's good. So business was, I guess, a conversation at the dinner table. Is that a value in the house? You know, I think if you grow up in a town where it's just one company, there's, there's and there's not a lot of dyna, dyna, dynamic nature of it. You don't talk about that much. It just is sort of a constant, a continuum. Mm-hmm. And you talk about other things. You you look at other things, and 
in in our household is like how do we escape Schenectady and go other places and go on vacations and yeah. try to travel and um and my parents are more oriented towards that and I am as well to go explore than to stay tuckered in and yeah. talk about the same thing every day. So would people have how would they have described you your friends in like fifth grade? Who were you? Fifth grade I was awkward. Well, people could still say that about me. Um so I was very awkward and yearning for attention. Um, I would be constantly, you know, trying to talk to the teacher about things that had nothing to do with the class at hand, just explore mm -hmm. what are their interests. And and also I was obsessed with um, things that I see my children now obsessed with, which is I was coin collecting, stamp collecting, baseball collecting. I was just in that collecting crap mode. Mm -hmm. and, Do you still have that stuff? Oh, yeah. The kids are diving in going, can I have this coin, that coin? And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. And I didn't tell them anything about it, but they discovered my DNA coin collection. Thing. And now they're they're really into it. And um, and I they want to look up how much the coins are worth. And when I yeah. look it up, it makes me want to cry. Because here's a coin I've you know carried with me for decades and decades since they're like it's worth tw that quarter is worth 26 cents so oh yeah you're like the, awesome dad so, good investment. Bad investment so were you a good student not really no yeah. i was um my fifth grade teacher um i ran into him when i was in college at a, at a shop in my hometown and he said he, he said tom siri and i was like you remember me he goes i'll never forget you i was like uh-oh why <laughs> why why do you still remember me? And he goes, you are the single most incredible story I've ever seen in a child's development. And I was like, like what? Oh, he's been file tracking you? He he just said, he. I came in and from my test scores leaving fourth grade and departure in fifth grade, he said he's never seen an increase in a, in you know scoring, whatever that's worth, um, in a single year. So I would say fifth year is when I finally figured things out. And nice. I implied myself, I guess, and, um, and but he was so, he was so, uh, he made education so fun, and and you know we would do just crazy things like listen to radio shows and and just have a good time at school. Yeah, which is what I want for my children every day. I talk to them. I just want them to love education and learning. And mm -hmm. just do you have them in private or public? We call it independent. What does that mean? It's private, but it's no, but it's, oh, you just don't want to sound it, snobby. Well, yeah, I guess that's where they came up with the naming. I didn't. Oh, we, they called it independent school. Independent yeah. school. Yeah. And you went to public? Oh, yeah. And what about Krista? Uh, both, yeah. She also I think public, public school people hang out with each other. Yeah, and so in your mind, you're saying, like, I don't want to be have my kids be little, like, snobby private school kids. Well, I'm not worried about, in Seattle, a snobby scene here. Um I just want to keep them grounded. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I went to both, private and public, and... You I seem very polished. Who, me? Yes. That's so sweet. Thank <laughs> you. I really appreciate that. Um, my private school was highly academic, and um, I learned so much. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel any shame around it. I think you're being a good daddy. I think it's great. I, I You know, one of the things that was um, amazing the other day, I said to my son... My older son, he's 
How old eight, are your kids? Eight and seven. So um, you have babies. Yeah, they're still babies, but um, yeah, I'm the old. You're looking at me going like, "Are you the oldest one in the class?" <laughs> yeah, I am. Okay, so let's I don't, get I'm that not off the ask table. You how old you are. The good no, news is that you've no. got access to any sort of uh, exactly. service Timeless. that you may want through Real Self. You Real can just, Self is the perfect. You can just freeze yourself if you want. Yeah, and I know like a thousand dermatologists. Exactly. You, you got a guy or a girl. Yeah, in every city. In, in every, every city. Yeah, oh, so you're good. Zip code. Don't worry about it. Um, but my son came home and I said, What did you learn today in school? And he, you know how kids just say, like, oh, Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes, Kindness. And I was Aww. like, Okay, I'm going to write that check again for yes. tuition. <laughs> it's yes, like exactly. totally worth it. Empathy, so mindfulness. I know these days it's like, Really? Um, okay, well, so social emotional, right? I mean, we yeah. didn't, that was not an emphasis. I, I guess that's what I was trying, going back to my fifth grade. Yeah, I don't think I had any emotional intelligence until fifth grade hit, and that's when I started like seeing there was a broader, bigger world, questioning things, asking good, you know, or mm-hmm. being curious, yeah. and I think that just kind of sparked at that age. Yeah, you know? I love it. And so, um, you went off to Connecticut College. Was that where people go is to stay in that region, or were you looking at all over the country? I think I was. Um, I was trapped by sort of uh, my, you know, my own understanding of where to go. My parents were like, you can go wherever you want, which mm-hmm. was for, well, what are we, 18 then or 17? I can't remember um, how 18. Old I mean, being an 18-year-old saying, go figure out where you want to spend, you know, your college career, your college life is, yeah. is kind of a big. Well, Connecticut College is small, right? Oh, small. So yeah. I, I think I wanted something small um, that wasn't heavy up on things like fraternities and sororities and football teams and all that stuff where you have to fit in. I was looking for something a little bit uh, um, outside of that, but also with good, strong academics and mm-hmm. respect. And um, so, I don't know. I can't remember exactly Was that the right choice? I, I mean, I think ne- they had a nice brochure, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That helps. And was that the right choice for you? You know, I wish, as I've, as I've spent so much time on the West Coast now, I've been here almost 20 years, I wish I had broadened my view and looked at schools all across the country and really mm-hmm. thought so I have the opposite. I went to UW here mm-hmm. and I wish I, I mean it was fine, but it was exactly what you're talking about. The fraternities, the sororities, the football team, which at the time I wanted. Now I look back and I'm like, I would have done great, like small East Coast liberal arts. That's that's like a regret, slightly. Yeah. And the grass is always greener. Um so what brought you out west? Like you, when you graduated, what'd you do next? Yeah, I worked for a congressman down in D.C. It was it was during a recession, and um, I I couldn't find a job, and because I was like liberal arts major, mm-hmm. you know, master of nothing or everything, you know, or you know, just knowledge of of a lot of things, very little knowledge of how to do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to go work for a congressman. I applied for an internship and got. I think I was paid like five hundred dollars a month. Um, Hopefully you had roommates. I had room, lots of roommates. Um, still friends with one of them to this day, um, who still lives in D.C. And that was cool. And then I ran into a, an executive for a computer company called Unisys. And I told that person after I met them, I think it was before email, so I don't know how I, I must send them a letter. And, <laughs> Old and, school. And, and my Maybe resume, a fax, a fax. Yeah, maybe it was a fax. <laughs> uh, those did exist. I'm not that old. And um, he said, why don't you come up to Philadelphia and interview? And I interviewed, and they gave me a job. So I I ended up um, in the tech world in a weird way. And then when I was at Expedia, oh, sorry, at Unisys, um, 
I was one day in the cafeteria, of course, wearing a tie. You know, you had to wear a tie. What was Unisys? What is that? It's an old, old, it was like the foundational, one of those foundational companies in computing where it was Univac, Spare Univac, and um, Rand Corporation. So like Remington Rand typewriters, Univac is like one of the first computers ever designed and built. Um, They were Mm. just an incredible history, um, but, you know, one of those conglomerates that just didn't make a lot of sense and couldn't figure out how to innovate. You used to be able to see them when you checked in at the airport. All the computer terminals were Unisys or... And what was your role there? I was just a project manager, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I... Um, what, so I'm I'm in the cafeteria one day and I'm reading about um, uh, secretaries, as they were called back then, uh, retiring from Microsoft in Seattle and buying second homes in the San Juan Islands. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds fancy. And how the heck at 30 are you able to retire? And in the article, it proceeded to talk about how they had exercise or cash in stock options. And I didn't even know what that was. So I looked it up and realized on the West Coast, they must believe you should be an owner and part of something bigger as opposed to just an employee with a number. Mm. So I literally told uh, my roommates and I told my girlfriend, who is now my wife. Um, you know, we, oh, yeah. well, that was one of my like, questions. How did you meet Krista? Well, but you'll go on. Yeah, uh, and we, well, she was, we were dating pretty early, kind of in that dangerous stage of dating where, like, you want to come and move across country and live with me kind of thing. It was a pretty risky move for everyone. And uh, so we packed up my Honda Civic um, and drove across country and came to Seattle. And you were um, literally just like searching for the dream of stock options. <laughs> I, I think it was more uh, startups, um, innovation, yeah. um, interesting things, the opposite of Schenectady, New York, you know, like right. things that dynamic um, and... How did you choose That's, Seattle? Um, well, a couple things. One was uh, one of my good friends uh, who I went to college with was from here, and I came out to Seattle. He's a very worldly person, and he when I visited him here in Seattle, here's a person, he lived in Germany, his parents are German, and he grew up here, but he, in Queen Anne, and he... Um, but he just loves Seattle so much. He goes, I, this is where I will always be. And kind of to you, um, you're here. It mu- there must be something special about mm. this I region. I left for so many years and came back. There is something yeah. pretty special. But I think yeah. anybody feels that about where they grew up. And nope. Se- nope. Nope. No, not Schenectady or whatever. See, I'm going to get you to spell it before we finish this. Yeah. I'm pretty good at spelling. You'll never get it. I'll, bu- I'll, I'll bet you a box of donuts you will not spell skin. I'm trying really hard not to eat donuts, so it's got to be something <laughs> else. But yeah. Okay, so you um, came out here with Krista in the Honda Civic and landed where? Um, we landed. Okay, so my parents, meanwhile, retired. Mm. And they said, we're moving to Seattle. And I know, weird, that's but that's so kind cute. of my family thing. And so it coincided where my parents were going to move here. Um, my, one of my best friends was lived, was going to live here. He was in Germany at the time. And then, um, I wanted to be here based on just what I read in the wall street journal about what kind of companies Mm -hmm. are here. So it just kind of worked together to make sense. I was, it was here or the Bay area. And I convinced, um, my wife that this would be a better place. And the first time we came here, she cried. Mm-hmm. When she was like, this was is, it raining? It was, oh, it was raining. She was and like, the sky this. was like on top of your head. She was so sad. Yeah. And is she like it now? So it was about uh, two weeks after we lived here. Um, 
that we're driving along one day and she's just looking out the window of the car you know, in the passenger seat. She just said out loud, I love it here. And it was so weird. It was just like, I was, I was like so yeah. overjoyed. Like, thank yes. God. Because having your partner, you know, in a place happy where wife, they're... Happy life, happy life. Yeah. Well, she's my girlfriend's time. Yeah. So, okay. So then you, what? I, I, I want to know. Then what? You got a job? Um, or you went back oh, to get an MBA? Yeah. Like, what'd you do? Well, I did. I applied to um, UW to get an MBA um, because what do you do when you don't have a job and you have, you know, a, a, a partner who's going to pay for it? Um, mm. So I. What was she doing? She worked for Merck, uh, mm. a pharmaceutical company back east, and then she was rehired by Merck out here. So. so she was only a girlfriend and she paid for you to get your MBA? Yeah. God, go Krista. I know. She's awesome. Very progressive. Yeah. She was worried I was going to become a full-time student because I had already gotten a master's before that at night. So she was like, okay, a seeker this is your of, last a one. A seeker of knowledge. You're, you get one more degree and you're done. Yeah. You got to go make some Was money. it because you were trying to figure out what you wanted to be when you grew up or you were just like, hey, I'm going to be more employable? Nope. It was just all based on I just love to learn. Mm. I just want to keep, you know, the MBA was probably more commercial than the previous degree. wasn't. What was that degree? That was a master's in environmental science. Um, so I had that was just an interest. It was not a, it was just, the company was going to pay for it. So I'm like, sure, I'll get a master's at night. You know, yeah. sounds, sounds fun. Um, so. So you went back and got your MBA. Got my MBA. Well, I started getting my MBA and I was like, I, I, if any of my classmates are listening, I apologize if I, it is not to be insulting to any of them, but I found it incredibly boring and, mm -hmm. and I immediately thought I need to get something else going on the side and um and i applied for an internship with a startup and they said sure we'll hire somebody who knows what they're doing and or seems like they know what they're doing and they were a tiny little startup called vacation spot and it was started by two folks who had left uh, microsoft and while i was an intern we got acquired by they got acquired by expedia microsoft expedia mm -hmm. and expedia just done its spin out and as soon as I could, I got a full-time job with Expedia then. Mm -hmm. and, and how many employees were at Expedia at that time? We're talking early Expedia. Yeah, maybe 150 max, mm -hmm. you know, a couple. And so what was know, your role when you were at Expedia? You were there for like five years? Six years. Six years. What did you do in that yeah, period? My first job was to work for Lloyd Frank, and he um, he's now one of the co-founders of, I guess he'll always be a co-founder of Zillow. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lloyd was starting up a team um, to run what was just starting to be a hotels business, you know, selling hotels online. And I was hired to be sort of a product planner slash business development person. Mm -hmm. And on my first day, I actually, I remember uh, a woman came to me. I, I wish I knew who it was on my first day at Expedia. And she said, oh, did you just start? And I said, yeah, it's my first day. She goes, oh, who do you work for? I said, Lloyd. She said, oh, he makes people cry. And then she <laughs> ran away. And I was oh, like, no. oh, my God, what have I done? Uh, but he never made me cry. And he's probably one of the, um, for those who know him, I mean, he is such an incredible leader and, and uh, challenging. And um, he's kind of like a mini Bill Gates is what I think of. He's yeah. just incredible. And you can see it what his, what his career success has been. So that was I was very fortunate to get that opportunity. And I did a whole bunch of jobs. Whole, I can't even remember how many managers I had. Yeah. Probably Would the, you consider yeah. Lloyd a mentor? 
You know, I, I think in a weird way, with an unexplicit way, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really respected him. And then later, Rich Barden, you know, who mm-hmm. was the um, first person to back real self. And I think between the two of them, I, I've learned more about my um, personal development, career development, um, how to be a good people leader, how to be a thoughtful executive. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Did you always have the entrepreneurial bug? Or at what point did you think, I think I kind of want to start something. Or was it an idea that came and then it was like, oh, wait, now I think I want to be an entrepreneur. I think the difference between a person who has ideas and an entrepreneur is execution. So sure, I had tons of ideas as early as I can remember. I had a notebook, I'd write down ideas and then, you know, pre-internet. And the internet was that thing that just became the, oh my gosh, this is such a moment in time. Mm -hmm. That just is, I'm sure there's somebody who, it hopefully is listening now who's looking at a new avenue like AI as the next big thing and they're mm-hmm. going to jump on that. Yeah. And that's great. Um, so And so at what point in your career at Expedia did, I, I read that, and I also know that you've told me that Krista was going to get some sort of laser treatment on her skin and wanted to review it and you realized like, hey, you can review pretty much anything, but we can't find a way to kind of research A, this procedure and B, like which doctors are best to give her this procedure. And and that's how the aha moment came. Is that right? Well, you know, one of the things that was amazing at Expedia was just seeing firsthand how, you know, technology was empowering us to make smarter decisions about really important things like where we're going to go on vacation with our family member or loved one. Um, and then we uh, were brought together by Barry Diller with TripAdvisor. And that was like, oh, my God, look at what information you get and how empowering that is mm-hmm. and how important I it is. I love TripAdvisor. Yeah. And it, 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 it just I just fell in love with it. And, mm-hmm. it. and it was it was like no writers. It's humans who are people, real people writing these things. And I was like, where else can I bring an idea like that? Where else do we make big decisions in life? And I thought, well, health and our health care our own well-being is so opaque and confusing. I mean, how often have you gone to a doctor and felt stupid? Mm -hmm. Like nine out of 10 times? I don't know. Um, And that's where the internet can play such an amazing role, just making us smarter about something really important. So I was sort of toying around that area, and I told my wife I was going to quit my job and perfectly good-paying job and go start something in healthcare, like TripAdvisor for healthcare is what I said. Mm. And she was like... (laughs) Um, that's a really bad idea. That's everything. That's so broad. It doesn't make any sense. And so I had to go back to work the next day. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm still working. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'm not yeah. doing that. Um, but, you know, and then I did see a brochure later that um, she showed me where it it was for a laser treatment for your face. And for those who are listening who don't understand that, don't worry. I didn't understand it either, which is like, wait, you can take a laser and burn somebody's skin off their face and make them feel like they are more confident or they look better or their skin is better. And it's a very bizarre concept of like burning skin off to make it healthier. And so I was just obsessed with like, what is this thing? And then she, my wife said, well, it's $1,500 and this is all they gave me for information and I don't believe anything in it. And I was like, oh my God, travel agencies to do that. Like, hey, don't worry, you and your loved one are going to go, you know, to Sandals. Have you ever been to Sandals? <laughs> no. Don't go. Um, so hopefully you don't have sponsors who are saying, oh, Sandals no. Resorts. Oh, yeah, it's we have like, no sponsors. Yeah. We're not trying to monetize this thing. We're just having fun. No, but they leave out, of course, you know, the swimming pools being oh, worked yeah. on. You yes. know, the brochure always has that picture of the white horse yeah, on the beach. Of course. 
You know, everybody's the, the fine print too. And then, and then you get there and you're like, ooh. And yeah. that's where um, I was just uh, like, wow, this is a really big decision someone's going to make. Like, they're going to burn their face off. Or what else are there? There's it, other treatments. You're being so dramatic. IPL is great. We're not burning our skin off. Well, it's it's micro. You know, I know. You know, it's it it it. it the point is only that I started kind of going down the rabbit hole like you know going back to my educational like learning mode of like yeah. well, what is this stuff let's research and it what are these procedures and it just started opening and opening I was like well this seems like a really important place to be informed and in control of your decision and that's mm-hmm. how the idea came about when I first met you I don't know if you remember but we were sitting in the lobby it was six years ago five six years ago and um Early for fuel, not early for real self. But I remember just being like, this is such an obvious business. <laughs> like, why didn't I think of this? It's so awesome. I'm glad you started it. Thank you. And it's, so do you, it, have, it co- do you have co-founders? I don't. Um, but, you know, we have a team member, Maureen Ezekugo, um, who was my first um, person I hired, like maybe fourth person hired, but like mm-hmm. um, first person to start sales. And she, nine years later, is still with the company and wow. running sales. That's awesome. And one of the strongest leaders that you'll ever encounter and should really be on this side of the microphone. Then, well. then you know, um, but she, I, I look to her as a, a, a co-founder and because she was there for me, but I, and if you, if you define founder as the person who conceived the idea, sure, but who yeah. helped instrumental get it going, get it going. She, yeah. I'd put her in there so I have I have lots of questions what is the business model how do you make money yeah the business model has always been um, to not always been but what we do is we allow doctors to uh, basically sponsor their content and their profiles and showcase them on the platform we call it spotlight mm-hmm. spotlight yourself and so if you're a Seattle consumer looking at Invisalign and you see a uh, a dentist is um, promoting um, pictures of their before and afters. We'll say this is a sponsored advertisement from a doctor and um, who offers Invisalign Seattle. Would you like to learn more? Mm-hmm. So that that's a subscription ad product we sell to um, medical practitioners in lots of different fields, but predominantly in cosmetic aesthetics, um, medical aesthetics. And um, and we also have a lot of brand partners. Um, so our brand partners include companies like Allergan, um, uh, SkinCeutical, skincare company, um, a part of L'Oreal. And, and they participate with us in either on-site um, advertising, but in more robust ways. Um, we're doing a lot of cool stuff offline. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the House of Modern Beauty is something we just completed and wrapped up here in Seattle, our second edition, as we call them. What is that? So House of Modern Beauty came about as a concept that, well, how do we make this industry, these treatments, these services, this information more accessible um, and and imminently approachable? Mm-hmm. And so we conceived, I, our team conceived an idea of like, let's literally have a pop-up experience, in, in, very interactive, where you can go in as a consumer and see these things firsthand. What does a laser look like? What is a um, what is an injection? How does it work? Why would I ever want to go get Botox, or should I ever get it? Mm-hmm. Um, both exploring those questions, hearing from panelists, doctors, experts, um, beauty enthusiasts, and then actually experiencing these treatments. So we do it all in their one house, and um, we did it at South by Southwest here in Seattle. Now we're going to do one in New York City in December of 2019. 
And we'll do South by Southwest in 2020 as well, again, with House of Modern Beauty. And so you said New York and then South by Southwest. And what's in Seattle? Oh, we did. We just wrapped it up. We did a weekend. How so they're two-day shows. I, I want to be on the show. You would be list. VIP, so I'm I don't pretty, know. I'm pretty well, upset right now. It's a great experience. But it, it goes to our business model. Yeah, so sponsors are the brands. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have you know just a, a rule there, which is, Please give your product and services for free, and it's amazing. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars of treatments can be um, provided for free to, mm-hmm. to to the attendees, and it's a great it's a great time. And so, um, how did you come up with the name? The name came about um, from I, I did a little focus group in my living room of my house where I my wife invited girlfriends of girlfriends over um, for a conversation about aesthetics. And um, so I sat there and took notes. And as these women were talking about their, the conversation was obviously awkward in the beginning. Like, how, what do you think about um, cosmetic surgery? And would you ever do it? And, and no one would talk really too much. And then after maybe two glasses of wine. I was about um, to say, did you bring wine? Wine, wine for sure helped. Um, and then this one woman said, well, you know, I've never told anyone this, but I've had a nose job. And all the ladies, of course, were like, oh, my God, you look so great. You look awesome. And But how, how would no one have known? I mean, was is it obvious? She goes, oh, yeah, it's totally obvious. And she said that she had never told her family members. And it's just too hard to have that conversation. So she'd just been living with this big decision. She went through a surgical procedure on her own, thousands of dollars, and it just opened up and uncorked this conversation. Everyone in the room had something to say, whether it's an interest or question, but it's very open and wonderful. And as that woman was leaving the house that that evening, um, and that was, uh, hopefully she didn't drive. Um, but, um, <laughs> She's like, oh my God, I just exposed myself. But she said, this was one of the best times I've ever had. Can we do this again? And I said, yes, online. And that's where I got this idea of like, having a really personal conversation and keeping it real, which I thought these women were doing amazing, authentic conversation. And it's really about what's right for yourself. And I just like the combination of real and self came together. I love it. And somebody owned that domain because they wrote a book called The Real Self or something. And I I wrote an email to the person said, you willing to sell your, you know, .com? And I'm like, well, it's going to cost you. And I was Was like, okay. I think it was four hundred dollars. Oh, that's so, worth it. That's a nice so investment. It was a good, and it was then, a good and then, how did the conversation come to be with Rich? Yeah, so I started the company with. I hired my friend Greg, who um, I said, "Hey, Greg, can you code?" And he goes, "I don't know. I'll try." And and so we sat in my spare bedroom and we conceived how we were going to create, uh, you know, this concept around sharing your experiences with these different procedures and treatments and so forth, and. Um, and whether they're worth it or not, the worth it concept was like, let's have a worth it rating, which is a aggregation of all the, you know, was it worth it or not experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on, on real self, you'll see something has a worth it rating. Yeah. It's still there with the still thumbs. There. Thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. up. Well, we, we keep playing with the graphics, but the idea is worth it, not worth it. And, and giving people a perspective on, you know, what, what does it deliver in terms of for you personally, not you know, is it a star rating, but is it, you know, something you would do again, you know, considering how much pain you mm-hmm. went through or expense or personal risk or social, social, you know, like, you know, friends judging you, all mm-hmm. these things get factored into, was it worth it or not to go all through that procedure? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so but it I was doesn't doing... show that to the consumer. It doesn't show how that decision is being made. It just shows worth it or not. Yeah, worth it. it's like eighty-seven percent. Absolutely. And yeah. then you can dig into each individual underlying story. So yeah, I was just looking the other day, and like our um, section for Tommy Tuck was over over twenty thousand uh, posts re- related to worth it or not worth it mm-hmm. factored into. And that. what was the net net of that one? Worth I think it? It, I think it hovers over ninety over ninety-five percent. Yeah, you know so. Um, which is interesting um, in itself. There's a conversation there. But I was doing this. I started the company, self-funded, for about six months, I would say. And I was just starting to get my first web traffic as you know, people were starting to write content on the platform. And I got an email from Rich. And um, he said, yeah, I, I saw what you're doing, and I, I, I'd really love to talk more about it. And so I went to his office at Zillow. Mm-hmm. And um, how well did you know him at the time? I I knew him like the CEO of the company, you know, like of Expedia. Yeah, of Expedia, and you know, we we had spent meetings together. But I, I if you're if the underlying question or the question behind the question is like, was I nervous as shit? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Well, I was just like, I mean, I've met him, and he's super cool. Yeah, but he's got this Midas touch gold. Thing going. Yeah, he's super approachable, um, but at the same time, he's, he's super wickedly smart. smart. Yeah, and I really didn't know what you want to make sure you're talk prepared. about. Yeah, you know? so I went in with my pitch and what I was doing, but I wasn't sure what he was going to conclude. And he said, "Why are you trying to raise money?" And I said, uh, "That would be good, you know, just to be able to pay for some of the the I, you know, the the engineering that I need to do and so forth." And he said, well, I'd be happy to consider it and just send me more information. So he, by virtue of that conversation, became my first angel investor. And really, after you have a lead investor like that, you're in a very fortunate place where others become like lemmings and say, sure, Barnes and I'm is. in. Yeah, exactly. And so, that's, and so where did it go from there? I know you've raised like $42 a, million so far. Yeah, but Barden, and back in those days, that was, uh, you, know, you know, 2006, um, he and the other angels put in um 1.2 million dollars yeah in total over two rounds and um and just more recently uh we decided um to go and do some growth equity financing at 40 million dollar financing so a big difference and mm-hmm. how was know. that experience well Sounds... let's say it's nothing like the first experience there's nothing to learn from the angel round to the following round other than you still have to tell a great story you mm-hmm. have to have vision and um and say what you're going to do with the funds. And so I would say um, I was really excited to see how a company I started out with that a lot of people would say, gosh, that seems really fringy and weird, um, to sitting down with some of the world's most incredible investors and, and funds mm-hmm. that you know people can't even get in the door for. And just having, I think we had six term sheets come in. Um, so we incredible. had our choice of... Um, choice of investors and um, who did you ultimately go with? So we picked um, and 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 reached an agreement, I should say, with a group um, uh, out of New York called Elephant, um, and they are um, one of our our investor. There is a gentleman by the name of Andy Hunt, and he is a co-founder of Warby Parker. Mm. So when I told the story of Real Self and the dream of building Real Self into a place where it, it becomes an iconic brand. I was thinking Warby Parker would be sort of the the idol like the ideal like kind of um example mm-hmm. of the like kind of trajectory we'd like to be our business on and mm-hmm. the kind of love. I mean, I think 
I don't know. I don't have any data around this, but I do believe Warby Parker probably has one of the most loved brands in America. And um, and I think they've been genius in how they've executed. So so to have that founder investor relationship, just like I had with Rich now at the growth equity stage and combined with that, I just thought was like um, incredible benefit yeah. to the business. I think he may have been the one I heard the um, How I Built This. Have you ever listened to that podcast? I love that yeah. podcast. But they did the Warby Parker one, and that story oh, is so cool. It's so cool. It's like the guys being in class and pretending like they're listening and taking notes, but they're actually like, holy shit, someone's buying glasses, and they don't know what to do. They don't have any way of processing. I mean, the, the story is unbelievable. I, I think it's the the Warby um, team. I visited their office and and spent time with um, their CEO who and, and another founder, and just their relentless focus on the customer mm-hmm. and, and and the experience end to end is just something I admire tremendously and I think real self can learn from because we've always thought of ourselves more as, hey, we're a great place for information, like both in both a, a great you know, positive people say about real self, but also I kinda take it as a little bit of like, oh, I haven't done my job is wow, you have a lot of information. And like actually I I, I think it's great, but I would rather you say, you have a lot of information, and I was able to make a smart, confident decision about something that's really important to me, which mm-hmm. is related to X, Y, or Z, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it was an easy thing to navigate. It, yeah, and it's super, it, it almost knew what I was looking for before I even had to say anything. It mm-hmm. was predictive of some of the things and made me smart. You know, yeah. and, you know, going back to that, it's like that comment I made about, Nobody likes to go anywhere these days to make big purchase decisions and feel inferior in yeah. information. And you yeah, know. Well, so a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've spoken to, and even people I've had on the podcast, I feel like the best learnings are from failures. Um, are there steps that you've taken along the way that you wish you had done something different? Wow! In the business, I just think I, I was saying to my wife, "Gee, I have learned more in." probably the last 24 months than I ever have in all of my years of, of business combined. I just feel like I'm on a constant, oh my gosh, learning mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, if I could do, if I had this knowledge at the beginning, I could have really rounded some of those corners and I think I would be in a different place perhaps for the business. Um and she had that look of dread, like, you're not going to do another business, are you? <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of already like, done this. Of course I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Of course I, I can't stop. I, yeah. You know, I, I would love to help others. I'm very involved in, you, you know, in UW and uh, student groups and people are trying to, any, any entrepreneur who reaches out to me, I'm, I'm willing to take a coffee. I just, I want to be there to be the super supporter and. Um, be and, careful. You're going to get hit up. It's okay. It's okay. And what would you say are the most commonly researched procedures? Well, you know, the, the higher the risk, the more research you do. You know, mm. if you think about your own life, like when you're making big outlays of, of like, say, a, a home purchase or, mm. or even a car. That makes sense. Um, you know, so as you go into also more invasive procedures, you see the time individuals spend on it um, goes up. So... Um, surgical being like highly considered. We see that in our data at Real Self, um, the average person spends multiple years um, looking at these these considerations that are higher. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
higher 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 risk, higher cost, and so forth. Where you know things that are less, they're more temporary, like say a Botox injection, which is a three month duration. That might be a three to six month consideration, mm-hmm. if at all. Just like Botox, almost seems like people are like brushing their teeth. I mean, maybe it's not. changed a lot. It's changed I mean, a lot the perceptions you know, of it. And sure. where where are the trends as far as the industry? This industry has gone from kind of parked into you know wealthy exurbs of of L.A. and New York to mainstream. Where one hundred percent, I met a dermatologist. She said my patients are you know the 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 bazillionaire's wife all the way to the lunch lady, mm-hmm. and it's like every person I in my practice I you know can be at every socioeconomic class absolutely, and they can be any part of the country. So we see interest in medical aesthetics all the way from from here in Seattle, where there's a tremendous interest in injectables and people asking for what is the most natural way to looking rested and like I haven't had work done to places in the country, of course, um, where it's like, wow, how can I look like I'm really done up mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So those trends are mostly tied to, however, in the end of the day, mm-hmm. most most people in the United States, as I speak for the United States right now, uh, are speaking to the United States trends, um, are interested in non-surgical, minimally invasive, lower cost than surgical. And so we've seen at Real Self, um, over 500 treatments now are available. Different types of treatments are available and that's um, more than a tripling than a few years ago. So it's it just keeps exploding where you're yeah. getting more and more options, more and more choices at the same time, um, you know, more and more outlets and places to, you know, you could be on a cruise ship and they're like, hey, we have, you know, treatments available or you can be at your dentist. Like I was this morning at my dentist and they do Botox How about some there. Botox while we're <laughs> whitening like, your teeth? So it's become yeah. sort of so Well, no, I'm, much I'm more assuming accessible. like the, the access to celebrity and the access to social media and just... All of that must, I mean, your timing could not have been better with this business. It's crazy. I think we were too early to be Well, truthful. I mean, 2006, I mean, I'm just saying yeah. in this moment in time. I agree with you. It, it, the outward. But there's there's still somebody listening to this, like maybe they turned it off now because they can't stand the idea. No, but there's a lot of, there's still a lot, a lot of stigma. Skeptics. There's well, of a course. lot of. I have a few girlfriends who are kicking and screaming and are like, I will not. I'm going to go down. Good for them. And I'm not yeah. doing it, but they're they're extreme. They're either like, I'm either going all in or yeah. I'm not doing this at all because it's a it's a moral or kind of values based decision in their minds because they're like, what's so wrong with aging? If it's about aging. Yeah. It's but better it than, also, it's better than the alternative. It's better than the alternative. The other thing is that I love and that I think when we've done recruiting for you is important to to talk about is the work that you're doing to give access to people with health issues like burns or cleft palate or mm-hmm. other things. What's the work that you guys are doing in that area? Yeah, both myself personally um, as well as the company have been um, embarking on on efforts where we can support surgeons who donate their time and go on humanitarian trips abroad to um, do procedures on things like burns, uh, congenital deformities, and things that can be repaired and person could have an opportunity in life. Um, and we've done a lot of videos to capture these moments. But um, most importantly, I think for the one organization I'm really involved in on the board, which is called Research, Inter- Research International, is teaching surgeons how to do these procedures themselves in in those countries so in india and mm. and in vietnam and and all all parts of the world where they're really 
earnest, great doctors, but they don't have access to the same training. Mm. Um, and if real self can help support confidence building or um, can support uh, these efforts in any way possible, we do that. Um, I think that's amazing. And it's part of its education, too. Yeah. And both of our doctor communities. So we have lots of doctors who see us talking about this. And I've probably turned a, a, a lot of doctors into um, humanitarians based on, wow, this is great. How do I get involved? Yeah. And I'm sure that's a game changer for them. Right. Game changer for them personally. That, exactly. And... They're like, I'm actually moving the needle on some totally. sort of legacy. Totally. I think that's amazing. And they're here in Pacific Northwest. <laughs> there's uh, a group of surgeons who uh, I know and are incredible surgeons. And they they use their own funds to go to Cambodia every year to teach surgeons there how to do reconstructive surgery, um, a lot of craniofacial work. And, you know, I told them, you know what, I, my job is to make sure you get attention mm-hmm. and, and or support for this because it's so important. And, yeah. Um, that's incredible. It's very and so... Um, Going back to real self, do people who come to work there have to be passionate, obviously, about what you're building? And if so, um, is that an easy sell or do you feel like it's a difficult sell? Yeah, I mean, I think we have this remarkably cool way of filtering out people who just want a job for a job's sake and just want money um, because... Our purpose is something that either you, you 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 believe in it or you don't. Right. If you get it, you get it. Right. And I I get it. Yeah. In case you want to recruit and, and me. And we see. <laughs> oh, you you would um you would have so much fun with us. I would. Um, I love being over there. Your offices are killer. Too. Yeah. They're we have a great space and, and really good snacks. We have good snacks, dogs. Um, It'd be like good ch- benefits. Chunky. Um, now, you know what? If you have the same, here's what I've learned. If you have the same snacks every day, they stop getting, no, they, yeah, no, they, they you have M&Ms, right? They're mixed in with nuts though. Yeah, but, so you got to work through them. Yeah. But I, I would trust me. <laughs> I'm patient like that. Yeah, no, but I think we, um, l- what we've been looking for, um, have been people who are kind of full company interest, meaning they think about they would act not just what's interesting to them in their own career and their own little space, but what is good for the whole and for the whole team, but for the whole business and mm-hmm. for the consumer. And I, I always just look for curiosity. I was wondering if that was part of your values that you've set up for the company. I, I gave a talk to the company uh, in January and I kick off the year and I talked about resilience, which I know is part of your um, podcast as well, mm-hmm. you know, the resilient um, executive or, or founder or, or business person or person in life. And then I discovered after I gave this big, long talk, oh, that's the word of the year. Mm. <laughs> so you're, like, you're, like, you're on trend at least. So I was like, wow, uh, original thought, Tom. Yeah. You know, like, but actually, I, I think that's what defines our company is that we, and, and, and me personally. And that's where the synergy exists between like, the CEO, the founder, and the company, and the people, is we're a resilient group of people. We just do not give up. We are so determined, and we know our purpose is good. Mm-hmm. And What will the measurement be of, like, we've arrived? I think when our head of PR gets uh, so many calls inbound to interview us that she's saying, no, stop calling me, or mm-hmm. you'll have to just wait another six months. Mm-hmm. Like, that type of, like, so much inbound you're just actually able to sift through and say what you really want to 
you know, who you're really willing to talk to. And yeah. And how do you spend your time right now? Wow. Well, like we hired a, a, a chief operating officer who has enabled me. And I think there's a really big learning in there for me in terms of what I can be as a CEO and a founder is um, really my strengths are going to be an idea generation in um, sharing the story of real self, um, talking to doctors, consumers, going to House of Modern Beauty events. And coming on the podcast. Coming on podcasts, um, recruiting. And um, and I've got my own content series I just created called Hey Siri, which is... Oh, I named, like that. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Well, you know. Who came up with that? Well, I was the original Siri. We, my family's the original Siri, well, and, then, that, and then they ripped it off. Up, but uh, you're a different spelling. That was my idea. I mean, I, I like it. But... Um, and that's I like that. So you said you spend some time on recruiting. Are you good at that? Oh, I think. Um, like, are you a good closer? looking across the table at you? No, uh, no, no. I I'm think, not saying it like that. I'm just saying. Like, no, I think you're you... way you're far more experienced than I will ever be in that. So I will. Well, never it's not necessarily about experience. It's about like some CEOs that I meet with. Are like, just put put the person in front of me. Trust me, I will close them. Do you feel like you can get anybody to understand the vision, or do you just like if you don't get it, don't even bother? Yeah, it's a two-way street, I guess. I I don't sell people on the concept. I mean, if they don't get it and, yeah. and believe in it at some level, yeah. then I'm not there to be the salesperson. Yeah. However, as far as like, are we a good employer? Do we offer career opportunities? Do we believe in diversity, equity, inclusion, and things? What are benefits like? Yeah, I, 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 I will sell, sell those. The biz, sell that part. Sell yeah. that. You know, we are... 64% female. Nice. Um, and we've been introducing lots of female leaders and giving a lot of internal opportunity to females. Thank you on behalf and, of all females. And uh, and really trying to think hard about how can we be more inclusive. So mm -hmm. I, I think we just want to be different. We have to be in this environment. You you recruit for some great companies. Yeah. I, I feel somewhat, you know, smaller companies feel a little bit surrounded right now, I think, um, by the the firepower of For sure. Google, Facebook, Apple, every company under Amazon, you know, just rolling out more and more fatter checks and mm -hmm. bigger perks and so forth. Yeah. So we have to do the do things. And well, it's good, to that, me, it's it's good like, that you get that. And that's important. Are yeah. there attributes um, aside from getting it and being passionate and curious that are kind of common threads among your rock stars? I feel like we have been hiring such incredible incredible people who added to incredible people. So what I see common between them or amongst them is just an inordinate amount of empathy for the consumer and the customer. They're like, it's in their, it's just in their nature to want to be, like they don't have to be told to be customer centered. They yeah. are. This is a DNA thing. And they, like I said earlier, they, they want to just do things for the greater good of of the team, the company, the vision, and our mission, and mm -hmm. and aren't so stuck on what's best for their own little world. Yeah, um, I love that. How do you spend your time outside of work? How do you relax, and what do you do for fun? Oh, I don't relax ever. You literally don't? <laughs> no, no, not much. I mean, my relaxation. Do you watch TV? Uh, well, I let me answer that the. the the relaxation I do is Peloton bike. I got one of the, my wife got one of those, and now I'm like an addict on. I won't tell you who I am on there if you have one. I'm like my name will not be revealed. But uh, hey Siri, uh, let me guess, it's hey Siri. No, that's too obvious. Um, but uh, that, in a weird way, is relaxation because it's it's uh, it's it's just intense and it's yeah. it's allows me to like put my energy towards something that get a little schwitz. Yeah, just what does that mean? 
You should have to know this. You're a New Yorker. <laughs> it's like the Jewish Yiddish word for sweat. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Schwitz. <laughs> no. At least I'm schooling you. Look yeah. at your learning. I learned a lot. You learned from a little today. something. And um, how do you like to spend time with the kids? They are truly, um, if you asked me a question like, who are my heroes in life? And it sounds so contrived, but it's my children because of how optimistic and, and how beautiful they are and how they approach life. They're what are my joy every night, along with my wife, of course, but they are they are fun. You know, you you know what it's like yeah. this age. Yeah. Uh, they are curious as all get out and the most creative uh, souls I've ever encountered. I love it. And yeah. so what what would you say is your um, dream Saturday? Like nothing on the agenda, no stress, you get to do whatever you want, and no kids. Oh, no kids. Yeah, we, have, we don't wow. have kids now. It's just a day for Tom. What are you going to do? You know, my wife and I, once in a while, we get a chance to go to Discovery Park here in Seattle, which is a giant, beautiful park um, that feels like you're in nature, and yet you can get home pretty quick if you need to or want to. And just going there and doing the what we call the loop there and mm. um, just chatting and talking, and we just have a really good moment to just... I don't know. That's that to me is a great day. Yeah, going on a hike with my wife. Going on a hike with I like that. So sweet. You're earning lots of points right now. All the women are like, my husband didn't say that. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> what would you and say then, otherwise? Like going to a husky game? No, and... <laughs> like some. I've, had, I've actually asked people. They're like, just getting out by myself. Like basically, space from everyone. Oh. And you're like, it's sweet that you want to spend your day with. Kristen. You know, being a CEO is one of the loneliest jobs. In, yeah. And 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 like, oh, cry me a river. But it's actually a very lonely job because. You really can't. You don't want to talk show your vulnerabilities to, to and, your investors, to your board members. And I come to your home, team. my wife's like, you know, tells me about all the things the kids did that day and things. And so I don't really have an outlet. Yeah. Um, so the opportunities I have to be with someone who is like in a complete no judgment mode and just talk about other things um, is just so good for me and my soul. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, what would you say ultimately fuels you? Yeah, I mean, I care a lot about community in general. I mean, my real self is a community in itself both as a team of people but also on the internet the online yeah um, for sure so i i do love that um i don't think there's a, a you know you know how they i have you ever gone to a a trainer and they say well you need to have a goal you know what's your goal and and i just say i'm here to get fit you know yeah. <laughs> just like to stay like, fit you it's know it's a big word keep my heart beating yeah. um uh, and, and yet I'm able to pour it on. Like if you, if you saw me in Peloton, I'm always trying to beat somebody who's younger than me and mm -hmm. I'm like kind of constant competing and you're like, well, where are you trying to go with this? I'm like, I, I think I'm just curious at knowing my limits and yeah. exploring those I edges. Like and you know, they say you should always set goals that are just beyond your grasp. I think I'm just finding things all the time that are just beyond my grasp and trying to achieve that is, um, you know, being successful in, in, in business is, I don't feel like I've completed the journey of real self and in my career yet. And I will not say I'm a success until something happens that I can, can say can feel it's, that. it's there. But. but that's super motivating to hear you say that. And I hope that my kids, I want them to listen to the podcast here and there. And I'm going to tell them to listen to this one because I like that. Just this intrinsic drive to, to be better. Yeah. And, you know, our world needs more people like your kids to... Well, hopefully you haven't met them yet, but yeah. No, but I mean, what, to come with that attitude of like, yes. what can I do 
to have an impact. And and even if it's a micro impact, that it, yeah. it just slightly improves you and along with it, the world. Um, I think we're we're all going to be in a better place. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad I selfishly. Yeah. I'm glad I got some time with you. I, I really always, enjoyed I it. I always love seeing you. It's so awesome fun. to see you. Thank yeah. you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.